Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, and welcome to the Runners World podcast with me, Rick Pearson. And me, Ben Hobson. Today we're talking with Hilary Allen about her amazing comeback story. And it is genuinely an amazing comeback story, isn't it? I haven't I kind of overramped it there. It's incredible. I think if you were going to go for a superlative, uh, amazing undersells it. Maybe that's true. Yeah. Double amazing. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Um, so just a quick bit of, bit of background. Obviously, Hilary tells the story best. But um, back in 2017, she suffered a horrendous injury in a, in a mountain race. Um, but yeah, against all odds, she's not just back running, but winning big races. And uh, she's got a new book out called Out and Back that chronicles that amazing comeback story. And she was a brilliant interviewee, so definitely worth sticking around for. Imagine leaving now. Imagine if this, yeah, you listened to this much of the podcast <laughs> and you were like, I, well, I can imagine you're leaving because you're furious. But apart from that, like, you know, it is, it is a fantastic chat. And she is one of those interviewees where you're just immediately compelled to go running or want to go and yeah totally. you know enjoy things a lot more than you were probably five minutes before you started talking to her so yeah yeah she's really inspiring yeah. definitely yeah it was really um, good tell you what else is inspiring ben some of my science uh-oh so i've, I've been um, i've been looking into this because for a while now i've been i'm not going to say anti the negative split you know the idea that it's all about running the second half quicker than the first but i've been a little bit dubious about this because i feel like it's a tactic maybe that wins you a kind of olympic gold medal when it's kind of you know a tactical race and you're mo farrow and you can kind of yeah sprint the last five laps but actually you feel like for joe blogs how many people set their pbs over yeah it's true 5K, 10k it's a bit it's a big ask it's a big ask, and I, I would, I'm not going to. I'm not casting shade to use a, to use a Jane terminology here, but <laughs> I think the, the negative split can be an example of incredible pacing, and you're you know highly Gabby Selassie, and, and you've and you've nailed it. But also, I think if you're an amateur runner, you've done a negative split. There is a chance actually that you've slightly undercooked it, and maybe if you push a little harder in the first half, um, you might have run even quicker. Don't believe me? There's a study that proved this, Ben. Okay. Oh, okay. So here we go. So this is this is about um this is five k. So like massively applicable distance, probably the, the most popular distance given park run. Um, and what this is about this 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 tactic that I'm talking about is called a controlled fade, which sounds a bit like a wicked haircut, doesn't it? But it's actually like it does. It's, yeah. a, it's a race tactic. So it's not about heading off at like ridiculous pace and then blowing up and and walking. It's not that. It's about knowingly going off a little bit quicker in the, in the first few miles or first half of a race knowing that actually the latter stages of a race, you're actually unlikely to speed up. You know, I think that like history would suggest, look back at your races and think, when I was hit, when I hit, you know, two miles to go, was I actually speeding up or was I was it a kind of um, managed decline that I was dealing with at that point? Um, right, yeah. So yeah. this, this um, study looked into it and it found that actually um, completing the first mile of a, of a 5K race, so sort of 1.62 kilometers, um, three to 6% faster than you, your intended average race pace actually yielded the best results. So I did a bit of maths, not a strong point of mine, but I'm pretty sure this is right. So we'll look at, we'll look at a couple of popular 
park run times to sort of bring that to life. So like sub 25 park run um, and that so yeah. the average minute mile in for that is eight minute mile in. Um, so if you tried to run your first mile, somewhere between 14 and 28 seconds faster than an eight minute mile. So say, say you run your first mile at 740 minute mile in, that's going to be actually what you go for. Yes. That's actually going to improve your chances of, of being able to run that as opposed to going, going out and just running completely evenly because that gives you no margin for error. Do you mean if you're like eight minute mile in, eight minute mile yeah, in, yeah. Oh, 802, oh, I didn't do it. Whereas this way, it's like it builds in a little buffer. So it's your, you're basically, it is calculated risk of decline. Exactly that. Um, and yeah, sub 20 would be uh, somewhere between 11 to 23 seconds faster than average mile pace, which at for sub 20 is 627 minute mile in. So you'd be looking at maybe that first mile coming in like 615. Yeah. I think it's it's, unpop- it's an unpopular race tactic because it's hard. Do you know what I mean? It's a bit like, oh, really? No, for sure. There's nothing worse than feeling that you've gone out too fast. And it's the normal, yeah. the normal like advice that you ever give anyone is don't go out too hard, yeah, yeah, too, yeah. too early. Because too hard is kind of like, this doesn't sound, this is, this is calculated. Too hard is like, you know, a minute, 30 seconds yeah, yeah, faster yeah, yeah. than, yeah, 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 than yeah. you should. But this sounds, this sounds sensible in a, so, you know, push the boundaries early, push the envelope early. And, uh, and and you know, then gradually fade. What's it called? What's it's, the, the, it's, called it's called a controlled fade. Uh, controlled think, fade. I I'm going to go and get one of these controlled fades. They go sound get, good. Go and get controlled fade. I think, it's, I think a marathon might be a, a different story because, yeah. do you know what I mean, that the stakes are higher and it's a longer race and obviously going off too quickly, like you pay for it more. But I think with a 5K, more people could experiment, be a bit more daring and see, yeah, you know, it's, it's going to be, an, it's going to make for an unpleasant last mile. But yeah. is the last mile of your best 5K ever going to feel nice? No. Probably no, not. No, it doesn't. No. Anyway, so that's. I think I science. think you. I think there's some more to be had from this. I think we could do a controlled fade on a marathon. Yeah. I think that that's a that's a feasible. That's probably what most marathons look like, isn't it? Yeah, I think you're right, mate. I think that most people say like, let's look at the four hour marathon, which is really popular. I think most people who do it aren't going through in exactly two hours. I think most people are probably going through it about like one. You'd advise maybe like one fifty-seven, yeah. something like that. So you're a bit like, look, you're gonna you're gonna fade a little bit, but that's that's a sensible buffer to to build in for sure um hey it'd be interesting actually to hear from people on this because i'm not i haven't done a huge amount of research but i just think from the people i've talked to in my own experience and what you're saying ben as well like that actually this slight controlled fadeway is actually the more practical way to to run distance races as a kind of enthusiastic amateur as opposed to like you know the tactical kipchoge approach of stuff it sort of sits better with me in that sort of sense of like acknowledging because like acknowledging how hard it is because if you if you go off fast and hard knowing yeah. actually that you will decline then yes and that's part of your strategy it's kind of better than the whole it going wrong and it declining when in, you probably would Definitely. have done had the same race if you see what i mean it's kind of uh anyway so yeah anyone out there who's uh who's mastered the the controlled fade um to, to great effect let us know podcast at runnersworld.co.uk cool um well i think ben we should probably get our our guest of the week on what do you reckon yeah absolutely guest of the week here in the studio guest of the week sometimes on the phone could be an athlete could be a physio or a complete Hilary Allen, welcome to the Runners World podcast. Thank you for having me. It's so nice to actually be here in person because normally we are talking remotely of people. How's London treating you so far? 
I mean, it's awesome. Well, I guess I haven't been here for that long. Technically, I was in Bristol yesterday, and that's definitely not London, as I found out. Um. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to the UK. Whereabouts? I think all of it. <laughs> all of it. Uh, no, it's it's great. I mean, I've been actually my father's British, uh, and so I've been to London, you know, many times, but yeah. not for several years. So okay. I'm excited to be here. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And done any running in London at all? Not in the city, just in Richmond Park. Is that, does that count? Does that's that, totally that's counts greater like, London. That's like the greatest, probably one of the greatest places to run yeah, in London. Yeah, it's like fine. with the deer yeah. and yeah, yeah it's in the, at the forest, you feel like you're not in a city. That's what I actually really love about mm. big cities. You're finding the little nugget. Totally. So your story, Hulu, is in, in the latest issue of Runner's World and it's, it's amazing. But there may be people listening to this who, who aren't familiar with your backstory. So could you tell us about um, the, your memories of, of, the, of the accident you had while running? And just a little bit of background about the day and how, kind of how it came about. Yeah, so uh, this is actually really awesome because uh, being featured in in the Runner's World magazine article and then being here to talk about it, so that's really cool. Um, but yeah, so my history as a runner, um, you know, I got I got started really quickly into running. You know, in 2014, I think was my first ultra, and um, then I quickly discovered this thing called sky running which is a really technical like mountain style of uh, of running and i was in the ultra distance so um i'd run up these really steep like grades and then you're basically scrambling sometimes too and um then you just kind of run down the most direct way um <laughs> and uh it's really fun but it's also you know it's got some skill and it's uh can be a bit dangerous um but i was competing on that world sky running series circuit for you know since 2015 and uh kind of in i was on the rise in 2017 i was having one of my best seasons yet i was ranked number one in the world of the the world sky running series and kind of one of my final races of the season, I was in this race in uh, in Tromsø, Norway. It's um, an iconic race. Uh, it crosses um, this Humperrocken Ridge, which is just this iconic, um, gnarly ridge line. Um, Killian Journey and Emily Forsberg they they designed this race. Oh, oh right, okay. So Fine. everyone wants now to do it, know. <laughs> and of course I wanted yeah, to do it because yeah, yeah. I was like, yes, this is this is what I love to do. So um, of course I had to go there and try it for myself. Um, and that day, I remember, you know, not feeling the best, but of course I was towards the end of my season. I was just tired, but, you know, I knew I was like, okay, I'm just going to, a bad performance here doesn't ruin my rankings. I still have one more race left in the season. And I went out there and I started feeling good as it got steeper. And then kind of around the halfway point, we're going up on Humper Rock and Ridge. I end up um, stepping on a rock. And as I was running, I remember one second I was running and the next minute I was in the air and everything was upside down and I was falling. And I think, you know, many people have moments in their life where things were different. You can pick this moment where life was different mm. after this moment. Mm. And that for me was that moment. And um, in total, I fell 150 feet off of this ridgeline. That's very high. That's very high. I mean, it wasn't an absolute fall, yeah. you know, or else maybe the result would have been very different. Yeah. Um, but still, I hit the mountainside maybe six times. Some eyewitnesses oh. have reported and, um, you know, tumbling down. But that's crazy in itself because if you're impacting the side, you know, divide 150 by six, you know, still it's pretty big falls that yeah, you're doing, yeah, you know, yeah. 20, 30 feet at a time. Um, so, yeah, I had broken 
you know, 14 bones. Um, was in the hospital for two weeks in Norway before I could fly home. Yeah, it was... Uh, yeah, very serious yeah. stuff. And yeah. trail running is... I mean, there are some risks involved mm-hmm. in high, you know, running in the mountains. But, I mean, trail running's not that yeah, dangerous. That's, that's like a freak accident. Right. It's it's yeah, kind yeah. of, you know, it's, it's not necessarily... It's not very common. But yeah. I, I guess I try to describe it as like very low probability, but very high risk. So there's a very low probability of anything bad happening when I'm going out for a run, even, you know, in my backyard. But when something does go wrong, it's pretty high risk if you're out there, you know, 15 miles from the nearest town. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Those are always the stories that we hear, like, when we kind of like the news alert pops in about like a runner or something like that and it's always like man crawls 17 miles with shattered leg as he oh falls God. on trail in like deepest colorado yeah and it's like yeah. Well, that wouldn't really happen here and it's no. like that's like that's the yeah. story this is the guy i mean because it, it's true i mean i mean that was the lucky part there's so many little you know golden nuggets of uh of, of luck that i had at this at when this happened my accident happened during a race yeah. there was a helicopter on call yeah. it was a clear day so the helicopter could actually fly and rescue me if not it was going to be a you know carry me out in a cot type situation um you know and i was in a place where i didn't have to pay for a helicopter rescue (laughs) like in colorado where i would probably be broke and still paying off loans from it um so yeah that makes a big difference Mm -hmm. what was the what was the diagnosis then when you so you're in hospital what what are they telling you about um what the future is going to look like so, I mean, ironically, I, so I broke, I broke 14 bones in total. So it was about five ribs, um, my back in two places. I broke both feet, um, badly twisted my ankles and, um, I broke both wrists and I had like an external fixation on one of them and I had cuts like everywhere. Um, so I was in a wheelchair um, for the first five days, I couldn't even get up out of bed. Mm. And so it was pretty, it was, it was, um, pretty devastating. I think I was on so many drugs, um, at first cause I was in so much pain that I didn't actually realize that it was me who had fallen off the cliff until maybe day two when my, when my oh. mother like showed up in the hospital in Norway. Um, but we were really unsure, um, about the, the prognosis. I mean, I, I think at that point we weren't thinking about running, um, you know, I I was just okay. I was lucky to be alive, but I think it wasn't until I flew home to the United States two weeks later that we found out some injuries that were kind of misdiagnosed, like once the swelling had kind of Mm. gone down, um, and I had to have three more operations, um, and one of which was on my foot, which was this major ligament that was broken. Um, and that was where... Uh, I remember this doctor so delicately put um, put it that this was a career-ending injury and that I would not run again. I would be lucky if I could jog. But this ligament rupture that I had in my foot was so serious that, you know, the return to run was extremely low and poor. Um, and even with that diagnosis, I had to go into surgery the next day. Like there was no other option mm. to choose, you know? Um, so even, even doing the surgery, which could end my running career, that was still my best option for any hope. Yeah. Um, and yeah. How do you, I mean, cause when you're presented with like medical 
you're lying in bed and you're presented with like a diagnosis like that. And you obviously, I mean, this must get, everyone hears the stories of how someone's been told that that's not what's going to happen. And it's like, and then suddenly you're never going to walk again. And then they, they do. And then, you know, in your case, absolutely. But then like, do you have an option to go and find the surgeon who's going to do that? Do you, is, do you know what I mean? Like it's that, that, it's that level of just being like, okay, I'm trusting the guy who said it's really bad and he's just going to have to go with it and see what happens. Uh, this is really scary too, because of course in, in the United States, how our public, you know, our, our healthcare works, we do have the choice. It's yeah. almost like a private business. Like I could shop around and see, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, go to see some other experts. And, you know, I actually, I didn't do that because this woman was an expert. Yeah. She was a, she was at CU sports medicine. She was the expert. Yeah. And, in, in foot surgery. She was one of the best. Like I knew, you know, I, I knew her pedigree. Um, and you know, this is actually, a, I've, I've had to do this since then because of other, other accidents, other injuries and things that I've had. And so, um, it's quite scary yeah. to relinquish control. Um, but I mean, and her bluntness, everyone asked me this question, like, oh man, didn't you want to, you know, weren't you angry? Like, why would she say that to say that you can never do this again? But I'm, I'm really glad that she did because I'm someone that really appreciates honesty right? and I don't want things to be sugarcoated. I want to, you know, and then also I think it was amazing because then the ball was in my court. She was going to do her job. And I trusted her to do that. But that also meant I was going to do my job. And it was my decision to be in charge of my recovery and my attitude. And that was on in my court. And it, she, she, and I was like, okay, she's an expert surgeon. Well, I'm an athlete. I'm an expert in, you know, recovery now, I guess. Yeah. And it's yeah. now, you yeah. know, my decision to be able to figure this out. Yeah, yeah. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. A lot can happen in 3 years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Let's talk about that recovery then, because I sent you the article that there was a shift in mindset for you. You were someone who, you know, strived towards loads of things, incredibly successful. So then there was probably a kind of slight recalibration that had to go on when you thought, okay, right, I'm going to have to think maybe slightly more long-term about this. Maybe my attitude towards running is going to have to change a little bit as well. Can you, t- can you tell us about whether there was a shift in mindset and, and, how, and how that kind of helped you to, to get through the recovery? Yeah, so I... I discovered running when I was in graduate school. So I have a master's in neuroscience and physiology. Um, 
So I was, you know, started, discovered ultra running when I was working 70 hours a week in a lab. Like, right. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I maybe like to do things the hard way. Um, but there was a, this shift when I finally decided to pursue running. And it was like, okay, I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to give it a year, see if it's successful, and then go from there. And that was in 2015. And I was kind of, it was, it was working. Um, you know, I was doing some other jobs on the side. Um, but I was all into this running and, um, I, I, I fell in love with this lifestyle and I wanted it to continue to work. Um, and so, and when I felt like things were clicking and then this accident happened, it was, it was absolutely devastating. Um, but the shift in mentality that happened for me, um, it wasn't necessarily a switch. It it definitely took time. Um, but it was it was almost this this gift that I was given that I had the chance to rediscover why I wanted to try to run again and why it meant something to me. And it had nothing to do with being sponsored. It had nothing to do with being an elite runner. Um, that was just kind of a byproduct of my hard work, I think. Um, and and how much I loved it. And yeah. so I think it was it was a necessary process for me to discover. And it was incredible because I was able to figure out that I could love running just as much even if I was just this recreational jogger, yeah. right? Well, a great discovery, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and the coolest thing about all of this is that, I mean having that freedom of like discovering running and working hard for it, not just for a race, but just because I loved it. Yeah. It's allowed me to get back to elite racing. And that was not what I was expecting. And it's, it's given me this freedom where I can start on the start line and be like, well, this is going to be hard. I know it's going to be hard. I'm not going to enjoy everything, but like, I am so lucky to be here. I'm not supposed to be here and I can have a great day. Or I could finish last and I'm still going to love every single second of it. And that freedom and that kind of ability to welcome the pressure and the challenge but not have it burden me in any way is freeing. And it's what allows me to have, I think, great performances since this this huge moment in my life where the future was completely uncertain. It's the way you talk about even just in this conversation, you talked about starting the race and not feeling great but being concerned about rankings and there's the sort of your the the, the chatter in the head before you went going mm -hmm. was kind of like oh this is important because of mm -hmm. this mm -hmm. and then afterwards it's like I'll finish last but it's cool yeah and it changed and I think it's like many runners um I mean I'm a running coach now too and I think that we're our own biggest enemies and that mental talk that mental conversation that we have even in the midst of a race like you know if oh, things aren't going well, and then you start to go down this rabbit hole of negativity, then it can unrail your performance. Whereas if you change that narrative, like, it's fine. Like, this is a low moment. It'll pass. Like, let's keep going. You know, I think I was headed towards this path of almost negativity and kind of self-destruction, overtraining, doing it for the wrong reasons before the accident. And then afterwards, there's almost this, you know, like, yeah. saving moment. Yeah. Do you remember the first run back when you were just... Say, say like you've been doing the physio for so long and you've been working through it and then you had that one run that was kind of like, oh, wow. This like, could happen. Yeah. No, no, no. But just, this feels really fucking good. <laughs> like, 
Oh man, that didn't happen for a while. I remember my first run. I did it with my I did it with my coach and his like new baby at the time. She was in the stroller and I started crying because it like didn't feel normal. Like I hadn't been running in so long and my body, my mind remembered. It was a completely flat path, had nothing to fall off and like completely flat gravel. And I was in my mind every time I was like, don't fall, don't fall, don't fall. And it was, it was, that persisted for a while. But I do, I do remember the first time when I ran and I thought about something other than running or something other than f- like not falling and then cadence or some nonsense right yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and the feeling and like I remember when I was just listening to my footsteps and my breath and I felt like sweat going down my forehead and I'm just like holy shit <laughs> like I'm doing it I think I, I texted my coach and I was just like Adam like I'm a runner now <laughs> or like oh, maybe I can do this yeah, um yeah. and that was just I mean I think that was one of the most magical moments that feeling because that's I think even as runners, you just you don't get that feeling like the true like runner's high like yeah. very often, no. and it's magical when it happens. Yeah, for sure. And you also decided to go back to the race, the Tromso race, right? Which I think is a really powerful part of the article that, that's in the run as well. We actually go back there. Really incredible, brave thing to do. What? Why did you want to? Why did you want to do it? I knew I wanted to go back at some point. I just wasn't sure when that would happen. Maybe it was going to be when I was 70 years old. Who knew? Like, I, I didn't know. I knew it was going to be necessary. Um, but in 2019, I was finally getting back to running. I um, was putting in some solid miles again, and I was feeling good. Um, but on this routine training run, um. I had signed up. Okay, so I'd signed up for my this race uh, called TDS Tour de Duc de Savoie, the longest running race of my entire running career, 145k through the Alps, 10,000 meters of climbing. Back with a bang. Insane, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, what am I thinking? But hey, like that's what I wanted sure. to do. It yeah, was yeah. something that it looked awesome. It looked hard. It scared me, and I was like, "This is what I want to do." And so I, we started training. Um, and two weeks into the first block of training, feeling good. Uh, four blocks from my house on an easy run. It had just like snowed a bit to finish the trail part of the run and coming back on the pavement. And I slip and I break my ankle. And I crumbled to the ground. I knew something had happened. I knew exactly what had happened. I called my doctor saying, I think I broke my ankle. Um, and then he he like was like, okay, let me call someone. I'll get you an appointment. And then I called my PT and then I called an Uber, (laughs) like, you know, just ugly crying, like not sure. I was like, I don't know if I could do this again. And it was, I had to have surgery, crutches, full nine yards. And this was, um, February of, yeah. So end of January. So very early February of 2019. Um, and that's when I started actually writing my book. Because I I didn't know if I could do this again. And I needed to kind of revisit the past and see like what was it that allowed me to get through that hardest point in my in my life until until this moment. And I, you know, went back into, I mean, I describe it as this, I describe it as um like the way of the warrior. Like I feel like the accident taught me that I have this inner strength that I didn't know that I possessed 
and it took the form of this armor. And it's like I had to go to the back of the closet and like unpack this like hidden treasure box that I didn't know was there. And I found this 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 um this armor in there. And I'd put it on and it's what made me strong and have the ability to like recover. And, you know, once I was recovered, I put it back in the closet. But like I had to go back in there and and put it back on and like literally go into battle again to recover from this ankle break. And after I kind of did that and, you know, was in the gym and working super hard, finally was able to run again. I, that's the point where I picked up cycling and I used that to get super strong. I I never took my name off of that TDS list and I was I was there on the start line. But before all of that happened, my first race, my first running race after breaking my ankle again was this race in Cortina. It was a 50-kilometer race. It was in Cortina, Italy. Um, and it was this race that was actually my first race back after my accident, and I had won it. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to do this running race. I'm going to see how my ankle feels. And I won the race again. And when I crossed that finishing tape, I, I the, the first thought that I had was like, I'm going back to Trumso. I don't know where it came from, but it was just this gut feeling that like this was the moment. Like I'm here. I overcame this second injury and I'm doing it. Like I'm in Europe. I'm going to go to back to this race. I knew it was happening again that year. And I just, I had to do it. And it was one of the most probably painful experiences of my life. But at that point I was still writing the book. And so it was also like, really cathartic to be able to write about the experience. Um, but it was also, I think, part of the recovery story. And then I was able to kind of get back on the start line at TDS after that and have an amazing performance. And I think it was because of kind of going back to this place that nearly killed me and and I was able to do the race and not have the accident happen again, which I was scared about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did it feel like pro- kind of proper closure in some way? You kind of got closure on it a bit with that. Yeah, like I never have to go back there ever yeah, again. Yeah, you don't have to do that race, <laughs> never again. And yeah. I don't want to actually. Yeah. It's beautiful. I love Norway. I will go back to Norway. But now I don't have this, I don't have this, Um, I don't have this like fear of Norway anymore. I used to have this fear like, oh, my gosh, like it it was I felt like it held this horrible place in my in my mind and in my in my head and in my heart. And like my stomach would get sick every time I thought about it. But now, actually, I have a picture. I I did um, the vertical kilometer race the day before the actual sky race and I got second and I got like a little trophy. And so I actually have that trophy, which is a picture um, of Humper Rock and Ridge just hanging in my living room and I can look at it. And instead of th- looking at it with fear, I look at it with just, you know, gratitude. And I'm really happy that I, I did that. And I actually, I went back there with a guy who, um, who, uh, rescued me that day Wow! and we okay. did the race together. Oh, yeah. that's good. That's so, great. Yeah. yeah. Can we talk a bit more about out and back your, your book? Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, like, like, why did you want to write it and who, Who's it? Who's it aimed at? What do you kind of hope it, that it can kind of inspire? I guess. I I wrote it because um, for my recovery, I I was kind of I didn't know what to do. I mean, I 
had seen people come back from crazy injuries, but none, none of like the combination of mine. Um, but I was kind of sick of the narrative of athletes going into the cave, like not like just being completely silent, not sharing anything about the struggles and how hard recovery is being separated from some, doing something that you love. And then the next time you hear from them, they're at the top of the podium again. And so that for me wasn't helpful. So I, I made a, this decision with myself to be honest and to share the ups and downs. And I think I started writing a lot in my recovery and, um, yeah, then, then I think somewhere along the line, I was like, I want to, I want to write this because I think it's a story that maybe would help other people. And, um, and in addition, it was very, very healing for me to write about it and to, you know, it's been such a public story, but I wanted to take back the narrative and tell my story with it. Did you write a lot before? Did you, were you, are you a diary keeper? Or did yeah. you do all that sort of stuff? I as always well? write like things race, down. I guess like a race, yeah. like training diary as well, but yep. just like, yeah. I yeah. mean, I do that all the time, but I'm just from my neuroscience background, I've always been someone who writes to-do lists and I always really like writing, um, just as a way to kind of get out my thoughts. I joke that it's like my handwriting so bad that it's like... I mean, I can keep a diary and write whatever the hell I want in there because <laughs> no, no one can read it anyways. <laughs> um, so it's it's really freeing in that way. But I've always been, I've always written a lot. You're back winning as well. You're winning races. <laughs> it's not like, it's not like you just came back and like you're, you're running again. It's like you're probably, maybe you're, you're a better runner now than, you, than you've ever been. I think it's amazing, so. Yeah. And I mean, maybe it's a combination of uh, mental toughness. I don't really know. But I think it's just this, you know, I, I, I wrote down this mantra that believe that your best athletic days are ahead of you. And I mean, I've run the longest races I've ever run since before the accident. I never thought that I'd be able to do that beforehand. And yeah, now I'm just, you know, picked up a new sport and like cycling and doing really cool things with that. Um, yeah, I just literally, um, this past weekend, I won this race, um, Madeira Island ultra trail and it's the biggest race win of my career. And it happened, you know, after this thing that nearly killed me. Yeah. So it's so inspiring. So inspiring. <laughs> I think. Tell us just what what the details of that race. Oh man. Uh, so you run across the island of Madeira. It's a hundred and it was a little bit under 120 kilometers this year. Right. So about 73 miles and um, 24,000 feet of gain. Whoa. And then like 26,000 feet of downhill. And you climb the 24,000 feet of gain in 45 miles. That's, like, that's like Everest, isn't it? That's Everest. That's quite a lot. It's basically Everest. Yeah. I don't know. Not quite. But I think it's Everest. Yeah. Not quite. Yeah. Well, we'll say that it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rick has confirmed that it's Everest. Well, I think Everest is 26, I think. No, 29. It's 29, is it? Okay. Tw- tw- 29, yeah. Why quibble over a couple of thousand <laughs> yeah. feet? I mean, at this, it's a lot of climbing. At this point. My quads would climb. protest, but yeah. <laughs> Do you have any like lingering issues with like with your injuries and stuff is that sort of something you have to deal with like daily i yeah honestly um i mean my ankles is probably the biggest thing but i mean even that ankle break that i had um was related to the accident and earlier this year i actually broke my foot and so i had to and that was related to the accident you know my 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 form has changed my ankles in particular are very stiff um you know that ligament it's like if anyone's had kind of a like a ligament repair, it gets, you know, it's stiff. It yeah. doesn't always feel great. Um, so I still had to overcome a lot even this year to to get to that start line. And um, but yeah, cycling is a part of it. Um, Cross training, you know, skiing. I love to take an off season and to do other sports. Um, and I'm in the gym, too. I actually really like cross training. It's fun. And um, 
Yeah. I'm really bad at it, but I have a great PT and uh, call me crazy, but I actually really like the bike trainer. Yeah, I like turbo. <laughs> I happily sit on the turbo for yeah. ages. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's really weird because it's like you stare at numbers when running and it's kind of like it's a very different sort of sensation because I guess there's like a physical movement with it on a treadmill and you're kind mm. of doing that. But to be sort of very stationary but being able to generate power or mm-hmm. however, whatever you're doing and then staring at something going, got to get it, going to get it, <laughs> going to get it, got to keep going, got to get it. Like yeah. that. Whereas when running, you're kind of like, I got to get it. Oh God, I got to get it. Oh. You know, it's like, but so it's, it's different, but I totally agree. Like you yeah. sit there on, on a turbo and like, I'm not, I don't really need to watch something. If I've got like the session to do. I watched, I literally watched watch the inter- n- yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the interface. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I watched like the like, People are like, oh, I've caught up on so much graph. TV. I'm like, no like, way, I'm watching. I'm I watching. know, I'm watching the thing. It's so weird. And I love riding my bike outside, yeah. but I also just weirdly love the yeah. the pain that comes with the uh, interval session on a trainer. And yeah, it's yeah. so efficient. Yeah. Oh, I love it. It is good. <laughs> Um, well, on that note, Hillary, oh thanks so much for coming on the Runners World podcast. It's so good to talk to you about um, your story. And I think no one can, can be um, to not cannot be inspired by what you what you've said there. I think that's fantastic. And Out and Back is, is out now, so if anyone wants to read the full story, they can. Out and Back, all of available at your favorite book shop. Yeah, and online. <laughs> yes, that is true. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. So that brings us to the end of this week's Run as World podcast. A huge thanks to our guest Hillary Allen, and to you, of course, for listening. You've heard of Black Friday. You've bought new shoes on Cyber Monday. Well, welcome to Tuppence Tuesday, where a very special issue, a very special deal of three issues for just £5 of Runner's World is available to you. That's about Tuppence, I'm sure. Head to hearstmagazines.co.uk slash Runner's World Podcast to get this exclusive listener offer. Um, you, of course, are listening to the Runner's World Podcast, so please subscribe if you haven't already, because that's the best thing you could possibly do. Share it with your friends. It's available on Acast, iTunes, and all of your favourite podcast apps. Just search Runners World UK and you will find us. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next week. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.